I want to talk to you about breathing life into your world. A few years ago, Becky and I attended a meeting for a large group of people. There was probably close to 20,000 people, and we attended in a first time I had ever been in a building that was inflated by air. And I guess I should clarify, I said a few years ago, this was before we ever moved to Michigan that we experienced this. And I was fascinated by this building. I was talking to one of the union workers about it and said, how does this building stay up? And he says, it's through air. They have these giant fans that keep it inflated. And then I wanted to know about, you know, how they protected it from snow and, and ice and wind, for they have all of these storms. And he's telling me they had no problems with it. So I was just completely fascinated by this building and what it meant. And on this weekend, I want to talk to you about how to breathe life into your world, into your community, into your family, your marriage, your relationships, your college dorm wherever you're at. And if you're joining us online, you can find all of these notes in our app on our line, online, or you can find it at the website as well. But right now, I'm going to ask you out of respect for the word of the Lord, would you stand with me? We're going to go to the book of Revelation, and we're going to read together. The Bible says, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne, and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered, to receive power, riches, and wisdom, strength and honor, and glory and blessing. Now, you have to stop right there and ask yourself, how does God receive all of this that's already His? Well, he receives from you and I the praise and the worship that we bring to him. He receives our faith in him. Well, then the scripture goes on and says, Then I heard that every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one who's sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Now, the only way I can really understand that when he talks about every creature in the heaven and the earth and the sea, it's whether the birds in the air or the great fish of the sea and the mammals in the sea, they give praise to God just by doing what they were created to to do. And you and I are so different from them and how we give praise to God. So I'm going to ask you to join with me in prayer as we go to God's Word this morning. Father, in the precious and the holy name of Jesus, on this Thanksgiving weekend, we want to give out what you have given to us, Lord. We want to breathe life into the world that we live in. So we ask you to teach us how to do that from the scriptures this morning, I pray in Christ's name. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Well, you know, there's something fascinating about our creation and the rest of the world's creation when you stop and you think about it. God spoke, and the animals, the planets, everything was created in those beautiful days of creation as Genesis reveals it to us. But when God created you and me, 
He took time to fashion our bodies. He took time then to breathe into us the breath of life. The Bible says that human beings became living souls when God breathed his breath of life into us. And that's an important concept because our breath is a gift of God to us. The breath that we have and that we breathe, God had gave to us. And the more I learn of God, the more I want to worship him. The more I learn about God, the more I want to seek his face. You see, the more I learn about God, the more I discover not only is he beautiful, not only if he's wonderful and powerful and all those other things and adjectives and attributes that we would ascribe to God, but I learn how personal that God is and how relational that God is and desires a relationship with every single one of us in this room. Look at this passage from Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8. And now, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, but I love the way the King James Version says this. They never rested. They just, these beings in heaven, they constantly gave God praise. They never rested. Day after day, night after night, that's where that phrase in the King James was, they never rested. Day after day, night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. You know, when you say that, you just can feel your breath come in. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. The breath that God gave you, the God breath that God put in you, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come, the one that we worship, the scriptures goes on to say that he always was, he is, he still to come, but he's worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Because he created all things and they exist because God created what he pleased. I want you to think about your life for just a moment. It pleased God to create you. It pleased God to bring you into this world. God delights over you. The Scripture says in one place that God not only rejoices over us, but in another place the Scripture says that God dances over us. Now, I'm not a dancer. You know, it's ugly when I try to dance. My children tell me it's ugly. My wife is a little more gracious. She just simply says, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, but I can remember our children when they were young, when they would get happy, they would do what we call their happy dance. And they would just jump up and down and wiggle around. And, you know, some of you have sent me videos of your babies. They're listening to a praise song and they're standing there and they're dancing. There's something uh, delightful when we dance. It makes us happy. Well, God says that he sometimes even rejoices and dances over his children, that's you and I. This stadium that I was talking about, the breath that was in that was created by these huge fans, but the breath that you and I have is the gift of God to us. It's what we call the gift of life. Now, in the Bible, it's interesting to me really interesting to me. Now, follow along with me, especially if you don't know your Bibles, you know, just Google some of these stories I'm going to tell you. There was one time where, you know, a king in Israel sent out a group of priests, and they were to go out and to praise the Lord in front of the army. They were literally to go out in front of the army before a battle, and they were to praise God. God, if you remember the story of the Battle of Jericho, God sent these priests, they marched around the city, they blew their trumpets, and they praised God. You see, there's examples in the Bible where God does something that seems so contrary. He doesn't send the army first. He doesn't send the police first. He sends those that he's chosen to praise him and worship him. And the passage of Scripture that we just read, God lets us know that we're a kingdom of priests. 
priest as well, that you and I were created to praise God. And how do we praise God? We praise God with the breath that he's given us. Now, the enemy understands this better than most of us understand this, and this is really important to get. Because, you see, before Satan fell and before he drugged down those angels with him that are known in the Bible as demonic spirits, he was praising God. He was around the throne of God, and he was praising God. And the Bible says that he grew jealous. He wanted the praise that belonged to God. And his jealousy drove him insane to the point that he thought, I will even exalt my throne above God. I will be greater than God. Kind of reminds me of the people today who make public statements that there is no God, that human beings are greater than God, that God is a concept of our creation. It's that insanity of pride that drives us to deny God. Romans 1 talks about this, that even though they knew God existed, they would not give him thanks. They would not praise him, and sin will literally drive you insane. It's why the most sane thing you can do is to give your heart to Jesus. There was a, an emperor in the Bible. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. He went crazy. He went insane, saying, I built all of this. With my hand, I've done all of this. His mind left him, and he writes in his own words, and when my sanity was restored, I praised the Lord. You see, you and I were created to praise God. It's why the the devil would rather have us, listen, the devil would rather have us grumble, the devil would rather have us complain, the devil would rather have us live ungrateful lives and to think we deserve better, that we should have better. And advertisers, you know, they deceive us, they tempt us to buy their products because they tell us we deserve them. And I'm not going to say for one moment you don't deserve a blessing. I hope to speak a blessing and pray a blessing over this congregation today. But the important thing is we understand that most of the time people are tempted to grumble and to complain. Now, I'm from Georgia. I have never gotten used to the cold, gray, wet, snowy winters in Michigan. But this morning when I went outside and there was snow everywhere after that beautiful day yesterday, I almost started to complain, and then I thought about the message I'm preaching this morning. I says, Lord, I want to make a covenant with you, and I need your help, because the only way I'm going to be able to keep this covenant is if you remind me, some of you are grinning and laughing at me right now, if you catch me complaining, you just rebuke me, you correct me. I have chosen to give God thanks every time I feel like grumbling about the snow. So that's going to be a big challenge. And if you were around the last time I did that, we had our coldest winter. We had the most snow we'd ever had on record. I'm not superstitious. I just choose not to grumble and complain because there's where the enemy gets his hooks into us. You see, when you live a life of praise and thanksgiving and gratitude, now listen, don't miss this. When you live a life of praise and gratitude and thanksgiving, you're insulating your life from the effectiveness of the attack of the enemy. And the Bible tells us that the devil makes ceaseless warfare against the, 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 the Lord's people. Revelation chapter 12. Bible tells us in the book of Daniel he makes war against the people of God. But when you praise God, you are ceaselessly giving God the praise and the thanksgiving that he deserves, not necessarily for the circumstances. We're not thankful for cancer. We're not thankful for heart disease. We're not thankful for COVID. But in the crisis, we choose to be thankful to God rather than grumble. Now, remember that building I was telling you about? It was in Indianapolis. 
I remember asking, how do you insulate this building with that fabric that's up above? And he says, air, this is what the union journeyman told me, air is the best insulator there is. I didn't know that. I didn't know that air was an effective and a great insulator. And so all of that air in the building caused the snow and the ice just to kind of slide right off of that great big inflatable building that we were meeting in. You see, when you praise God, you're insulating your family, you're insulating your marriage, you're insulating your dorm room, you're insulating every relationship you have in your life. It's why the devil would rather have you grumble and live an ungrateful life than to live a life of thanksgiving. Rather than complain about your wife or complain about your husband, give God thanks for your husband or wife. Rather than complain about your children, we had some teenagers poking their moms and dads in the first service this morning when I said this, give God thanks for your children, for trusting you to raise them in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord. Give God thanks for your friendships and your relationships. Give God thanks for your job. It may not be the job you always want to have. I I had a number of jobs, you know, that I knew I wasn't going to be there for a long time, but I was always grateful for the people who employed me, and every place I ever left, I had an invitation to go back to, and there were times when I was a student that the places I worked for, they would call me, says, when you come home, we want you to come to work. Give God thanks and be a blessing to those that employ you. You can grumble, you can complain and say, I'm worth more, I deserve better, or you can give God thanks and God himself will honor you and exalt you. You know, I have had to go in and help a lot of churches through the years. have had problems. They're, they're on a verge of splitting. And you know what? I found a common factor. Common factor. It's not always been a bad pastor. It's not always been a bad board. It's not always been a bad congregation. You know, how do people who embrace one another, loved one another, how do all of a sudden they turn on each other? I was with a pharmacist one time, and he was complaining about all the bad pastors they ever had. And so I asked him, I said, how many pastors have you had? He said, we've had 13 pastors. And I looked, I said, every one of those pastors have been bad? And he looked at me and he says, I've never thought about it that way. I go, well, maybe we should start giving God thanks for your pastors. Let's pray for your pastors. Let's intercede for your pastors. And today that congregation is a new congregation. They're thrive, they're thriving. They're doing wonderful. I went onto their Facebook page recently and just watched their services. I was so proud because, you see, the enemy can always divide us and he can defeat the work of God if we live ungrateful lives. It was a lack of gratitude and a lack of thankfulness for the presence of God who created him that caused Satan to fall. And what causes nations to fall, what causes companies to fail, what causes churches to fail, and marriages to fail is when there is a lack of gratitude. We used to sing a song back in the 70s and the 80s called, We Bring the Sacrifice of Praise, and We Offer Unto You the Sacrifice of Thanksgiving. And in the church that I was serving in, we had to sit on the platform. And I remember watching as, as people with divorce issues going on in their life, as people with health issues, they would lift their hands and praise the Lord. And I used to wonder how they could thank God. I remember our banker, the, the lady who, the banker who helped us finance our first home. I remember her standing there weeping. She had begun to attend our church. And as she was weeping, I knew what she was going through. Her husband was going to 
husband leave her and divorce her. And she just lifted her hands and worshiped. And I, I felt such compassion for her that day. And I remember Becky and I praying for her. Less than a year later, I saw her husband give his heart to Jesus Christ right there in that sanctuary. Because instead of grumbling and complaining and becoming bitter, she offered the sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. You see, praise is this insulating power and presence in our life. When we make much of God, God makes much of us. Get it? You see, when we make much of Him, God rejoices over us. And so we experience the benefits of praise ourselves. And we don't praise God to experience those benefits. We praise Him simply because He's worthy. Remember, the more I learn about Him, the more I want to praise Him. Now, this is going to be a little personal, especially online. But you need to understand, this just helps me to relate, maybe to, to you. I've been married to my beautiful wife for 44 years. I've known her all my life. I've known her since she was a baby. But the longer I know Becky, the more I learn about Becky, the more I love her. Yesterday, I watched something in her as we were decorating our house, and, you know, our children aren't going to be able to be here because of the COVID virus. You know, this will be the first Thanksgiving that we've ever had, like this Thanksgiving we're having. And my wife was choosing to praise God. She was choosing to decorate, and I asked her, how could she do this? And she began to go through all the reasons that we should be grateful for, you know, what God has blessed us with, and I realize why we enjoy such a marriage filled with love and joy is because from her flows that ceaseless attitude of praise and thanksgiving. Friends, praise is an insulating power in your marriage. So how do you do this? How do you grow to know God? How do you grow to worship God continually? Let's look at this verse of Scripture from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 16 through 18. But I'm going to read it just a little bit differently, so follow along closely. Always be joyful. Always be joyful. Now skip the next sentence. Be thankful in all circumstances. Always be joyful. Be thankful in all circumstances. Notice what that little sentence that I skipped, never stop praying. If you've got it in your outline, you may want to highlight, highlight it. If you're using a bulletin here at the church, you may want to underline it. How do you never stop praying? by always being joyful and always being thankful. Joy is different than happiness. Happiness depends on what's happening around me. No matter what's happening around me, I can have the joy of the Lord as my strength. Corey Tenboom testified about how she and her sister experienced the joy of the Lord even in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. I've listened to persecuted Christians that I've sat with, how they've experienced the joy of the Lord despite horrible and terrible circumstances of suffering and persecution for their faith, and yet the joy of the Lord is with them. I've sat in grass huts with people in Africa and Asia, literally grass huts on these continents, and have worshiped with people as they were filled with joy. And you and I, we complain if the temperature is not right. We complain if the air conditioning or the heating is not right. Friends, the way we can continually pray is to always be joyful and to be thankful in all circumstances, whether it's cancer, whether it's COVID, whatever it is, for this is God's will. Not the circumstance, but that we live grateful lives because grat gratitude and grateful lives, praising God, will insulate us from the power of the 
enemy. And just like God defeated the enemies of Jehoshaphat, that was the king that sent those out to praise, just like God defeated Jericho as Moses sent those out to praise the Lord, God will defeat the enemy in your life. He will defeat the economic circumstances, the physical circumstances, the spiritual trials. God will bring victory to you as you praise the Lord. So that is an important concept to get together. So how do we do that? Three ways. Number one, keep the flame burning in my heart. Keep the flame burning in my heart. Keep the flame burning in your heart. The author of that song, Keep the Flame Burning in My Heart, you know, has spoke for us several times as a dear friend, love him a lot. But we talked about how he wrote the song and how he came together with this song. It comes from an Old Testament passage in the book of Leviticus, chapter 6 and verse 13. Look at this passage with me. Remember the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Now, this was a fire. Let me see if I can illustrate it for you. This fire was a fire. Now, now don't miss this, because if you missed what I'm going to say now, you're going to miss the whole point of this message. This fire on the altar was not started by the priest, but when the tabernacle was dedicated, this fire was sent there by God. Remember how God consumed with fire the sacrifice Elijah made? Remember how the angel consumed with sacrifice the, the fire that uh, Manoah uh, made when, when they gave God thanks for the birth of Samuel? God started the fire. Who gave you your breath? You see, the priest, I think this is, and according to the author of the song, David Meese, this is a picture of ceaseless praise in the heart of a believer. God gave us our breath, not to grumble and complain, but God gave us our breath to worship Him with. God gave us our breath to offer Him praise. God gave that flame so that the sacrifices of thanksgiving could be made in the tabernacle prior to Christ coming and fulfilling all those sacrifices. You say, well, how can we do that all the time? Again, I think that's an even better picture because when the, the ashes had to be taken out, the priest had to change clothes. He took the ashes outside the camp. He buried the ashes, then he came back into the camp where he changed clothes, cleaned up, and then he would rest, and then he would put on his clothes and come back. You see, we can carry the atmosphere of praise with us continually while we work, while we play, while we sleep. Whatever we do, we can be in a prayerful attitude, we can be in a thankful attitude if we live joyful lives in Christ and we're thankful in every single circumstance. We insulate ourselves from the power and the presence of the enemy. Look at this passage of Scripture from Psalms chapter 113 with me. Hallelujah! You who serve God, praise God. Just to speak His name is praise. Why don't you just say the name of Jesus? Even right now at home, just say the name of Jesus. There was a song that was popular back in the 70s. Again, I'm really dating myself with music this morning. But I think 70s and 80s had some great music. If you disagree, I'm still right. The 70s and 80s had great music, but there was a song, just whisper Jesus. Whisper Jesus and fears will disappear. Whisper Jesus and anxiety will go. Whisper Jesus. Just speak the name of Jesus. Some of my sweetest memories are when I was ill and in the hospital and I could hear people by my bedside just going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The name of Jesus is above every other name. Just to speak His name is praise. Just to remember God is a blessing. 
you know people that just to bring back the memory of them is a blessing. When I remember my father, it's a blessing to me. I think about all that he meant to me. When I remember my grandfather, it's a blessing to remember him and those conversations that we had and experiences that we had. Friends who have died and gone on to be with Christ here in this church. I opened up a book off of my bookshelf preparing for this message, and Evelyn, I almost called it, we don't call names out over the, over the uh, live stream, but she had given me this book years ago and had written me a beautiful note in the front of it and all of a sudden all these memories of Evelyn just came rushing back into my mind. But when I remember God, God is a blessing because of his faithfulness, his goodness, his love. For God so loved the world. Just let all of that sink in. Just remember God is a blessing now, tomorrow, and always. Say that with me. Now, tomorrow and always. Say it again. Now, tomorrow, and always. Just to remember God is a blessing. From east to west, from dawn to dusk, or from the rising of the sun to the going down, keep lifting all your praises to God. Keep lifting all your praises. Don't let the flame go out. The book of Colossians tells us that these Old Testament examples of sacrifices and the temple and the tabernacle, all of these were types and shadows of Jesus Christ who was to come. The second thing I would say is don't worship absent-mindedly, worship mindfully. Call back to your remembrance all that God has done for you during the hard times and during the good times. Yesterday, there was a young woman from our church that graduated from college, and her boyfriend was here. He was all dressed up, looking good, shaved, and was going to celebrate with her. And when I walked into our house, there her picture was on our refrigerator, you know, and I just went back and just kind of reflected over all the memories I had of her growing up here in this congregation. I, if you're listening, I remember when you used to bring me peanut butter brownies, and I was so thankful, and I'd be thankful if you did that again. But I remember all of those times of trips, and then I went to my iPad, and I pulled up the photos of trips that we made with fine arts, and missions trips. And friends, I got to tell you, I was so grateful and thankful. That's what I mean about being mindful, not mind. Don't just say praise the Lord, but what are you praising God for? Sometimes I hear people go, praise God. And I, I'll just say, well, what are you praising him for? And you can see the, it's almost habitual. Like when you meet somebody and they say, hi, how are you? You go, fine. You know, you just be mindful. Think about it. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 12. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a holy and a living sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. In the Greek right there, that word is this is the reasonable, this is the thoughtful, this is the mindful. In other words, Everything you do in your everyday life, getting up, going to bed, going to work, sleeping, eating, drinking, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. What's going on in our world? Conflict, grumbling, complaining, pointing the finger, judging one another. Democrats hating Republicans, Republicans hating Democrats, nations fighting against one another, religions fighting against one another. Some preachers spend more time preaching against other religions than they do just simply preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. 
you know, we're not called to do anything but to share what Christ has done, the good news of Jesus. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And you see, the breath of life God gave you, the way you keep the flame alive, is begin to think thankfully, to begin to think with gratitude. And as you give God thanks, you cause the windows of heaven to be opened upon you. Listen to what he goes on to say in this verse. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. And some of you, you wonder, is God's will good for me? This is what the Bible says about God's will. It is good, pleasing, and perfect. Say that with me. Good, pleasing, and perfect. Say it again. Good, pleasing, and perfect. You will find God's will a delight. And then finally, sing to the Lord. You know, I'm not the best of singers, but I love to sing. I love to sing to the Lord. I love to sing to my wife. I love to sing to my children and my grandchildren. Again, just reflecting mindfully, some of my greatest memories are singing to my sons and my daughter while they were growing up. Some of my greatest memories now, and I was looking at a picture of this on the screensaver on my computer in between the services. It was a picture of me singing to one of my grandsons and him holding my face while I was singing to him. You know, it's not that I have a, a beautiful voice like these people on the st stage had, but what I have is the ability to sing to the Lord. Look at Psalms 42, verse 8. But each day, the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me. Notice that. God's love will never fail you. People fail us, yes. Sometimes people hurt us. But God's love is unfailing. He continuously, He ceaselessly, day in and day out, night after night, while you sleep and rest, God is pouring His unfailing love out upon you. And that through each night I sing His songs, praying to God who gives me life. Now, <clears throat> you've often heard me say this at Woodland. Before you go to bed, Take a moment and worship the Lord. Get on your knees. Thank God. Lift your hands. Sing a song of praise to Him. It will change your night. It will change how you rest. When I wake up during the middle of the night, a lot of times I'll sing a song softly to myself, a, a song of praise to the Lord. And if I can't go back to sleep, I don't just lay there and toss. I get up and I go and I read and I worship. And sooner or later, I will be able to slumber again. The important thing is to sing before you go to bed. Remember what I said, bracketed, always be joyful, always be thankful, never stop praying. Even your sleep is a prayer to God. Before you go to sleep at night, just simply just go, Lord, I give you the breath of my sleep, the breathings of my sleep. I offer them up to you as a sacrifice of praise. You said, well, how can you do that? That, that doesn't make sense. I beg to differ. God in His creative order, God in His biblical order, created us to need sleep. Now think about that, especially when you go home for your Sunday afternoon nap today. God created you to need sleep. And God says in His Word that to His beloved, He gives sleep. You know, when you sleep, that's a way of God loving you. And some of you, you know, you really need some love right now. You need some rest. You need some, some time to be able to rest in your life. And that's what happens in our world. <coughs> Pardon me. 
Because what's happened in our world is we have taken away from people their ability to rest. We have created all kinds of gadgets and things that are supposed to make our lives easier. They've made our lives busier. They've made our life more complicated. I don't need another app on my phone. It's just confusing to have to learn another app. I love the ones that I have. So, you know, we created these things. They've made our lives busier. We're always on call. People are always wanting us. Our companies don't care about people anymore. The bottom line is what's important. So Sunday can't be a day to worship God. Sunday can't be a day to take off. So our factories are working. We're working people because the bottom line is what counts. You see, when we fail to be grateful, we fail to trust God. And when we fail to trust God, then we're trusting ourselves. And so we feel like we have to work all the time, and we feel like sleep is wasted hours. I mean, I have even been so foolish as to say that. I remember when we were younger, I said to my wife, if I didn't have to sleep, I could get so much more accomplished. But here's the thing. Sleep is a gift from God. And when you sleep, God is renewing you physically, mentally, and spiritually. I shared a study with our congregation a few months ago, a fascinating sleep study that demonstrated that your body is processing not just negative emotions, your body is processing negative chemicals out of your body that affect your health when you sleep and you rest. It's God's biblical order. And by the way, guys, listen, God put Adam to sleep before he created Eve and brought Eve forth. There's something powerful, restorative, and loving about sleep. And I want to wrap this message up like this. You know, when Jesus breathed his last, when he was crucified for our sins, what did he say? It is finished. He finished the work of our salvation. It's not by our works of righteousness that we're saved. It's not by what we do that saves us. It's what Christ has done for us. But on his resurrection appearance, on the third day, on Easter Sunday, when Christ was raised from the dead, what was his first words to us? Peace, fear not. You see, when you submit and surrender your life to Christ, God fills you with the peace of God that passes understanding. God has made a finished work of your sins as you put your faith in Him. God has made a finished work of your fears as you put your faith in Him. God has made a finished work of the devil as you trust Him. And praise becomes the insulating factor of your life. And that's why Psalms 149 and verse 5 says, Let them sing for joy upon their beds. Now, my precious wife and I, our body clocks are just absolutely different. She's an evening person, and I'm a morning person. 8.30, I'm out. It's like somebody just pulled the plug. I'm out. Becky becomes her most creative in the evening. Our children say that as children, they're, the sounds they loved best was when Becky would be at her piano composing music and singing while they went to sleep at night. I celebrate those differences in our life. But when I go to bed... I often find myself singing a song to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for my marriage. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for our children, now our grandchildren. Thank you for our congregation and our community. It's why often when I get up in the mornings, sometimes before I ever come to my office, 
I'll go by our township office or one of the other city centers here like at Woodhaven or Trenton, Flat Rock, and I'll give God thanks for those who lead us. There's something powerful and insulating about praise. I want our community to be safe. I want our leaders to prosper and do well. I want our church to do well. And the way we do that is not through grumbling and complaining, but on this Thanksgiving weekend, we will follow the example of those Puritans who gathered with their meager feast, their 90 Native American guests, their venison, whatever fowl they shot, like turkey and goose, whatever mussels they gathered, whatever grain they had been able to harvest from that summer's planting. 399 years ago, in the midst of difficult circumstances, out of 18 marriages, 14 wives had died. Only four wives survived that first year. Becky and I stood on that hill at Plymouth, burial hill. Tears flowed from our eyes as we realized how blessed we were because of the sacrifices of those that came before us. And the example that we remember them for is their thanksgiving to God and their welcoming of the strangers. Would you stand with me? And let's pray. And let's offer up praise to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you with all of our hearts. We thank you, Jesus, for all the goodness you have shown us in Christ. And Lord, I hate this coronavirus. I, I hate the funerals that I've had to do for people that I love. God, I hate the suffering that people have gone through. Lord, I hate the sounds of harshness and judgments and criticisms. But in the midst of all of that that is so despiteful, I give you thanks today. And my heart is filled with joy. Because, Lord, your presence, your praise insulates our hearts from the bitterness of our world. Your life in us, oh Father, overcomes this disease. And Jesus, just as we prayed and sang this morning, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. And so I pray for not only those here today, but for all of those listening, that God, we will choose to be joyful and to give thanks so that we may live prayerful, thankful lives in your presence always. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and yet somehow or another you've stuck around and you've listened for this long, that's a miracle in itself. But if you've listened and something inside of you is going, I need Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Father, thank you for making me aware that I need you. Thank you for making me aware of my sin and that Christ died for my sin. I want to accept the finished work that Christ accomplished for me. I don't understand it all, but by faith in you, that was a long sentence, so let me say it again. I don't understand it all, but by faith in you, I accept what you did for me at Calvary. And as much as I know how, I commit my life to you today. In Jesus' name, 
amen and amen. You know why you prayed that prayer? The Bible calls that conviction. You became convicted of a truth. But what God says to you is it's finished. That old life of sin, and he speaks peace and new life to you. Pastor Corey is going to come and share with you a gift that we'd love to send you free of charge, and nobody will be bird-dogging you. We just want to give this to you to help you get started with your new life in Christ. God bless you so much. Pastor Corey. Thank you, Pastor. If you prayed that prayer with Pastor today, whether you're here or online, we have this little book that we want to give to you. If you're watching right now, you can just simply make a comment or you can email us at office at woodland.church and let us know you prayed that prayer along with us. We want to send you this book. It will help you in your next steps, help you grow in your faith, and help you understand a little bit better uh, the decision that you just made and that prayer you just made. And so if you're here as you uh, exit, just stop by one of the tables and just say, hey, can I get that book? We'd be glad to give it to you as well.